right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special edition of, of Reborn to be Wild. So my name is Morgan Reborn. I'm a, an executive coach and facilitator, uh, a mindfulness coach too. And today, it's a special edition for Reborn to be Wild, a special episode. And this special edition is called Coronership. So there was love at the time of cholera, and now there's entrepreneurship at the time of COVID-19. And my vision for Reborn to be Wild is to uh, invite you to come with me around the world as I meet with truly inspiring business people who all have one thing in common. They went through hell to eventually be reborn in a more joyful, successful, and enlightened version of themselves. And today, I have the pleasure, the privilege to host uh, Edward Keenan, an expert on behavioral analysis and uh, mindfulness coach, yoga teacher too. Uh, this guy is amazing. I had uh, the privilege to be his roommate for a, a couple of weeks in Maui. Edward, thank you for being here. And uh, hello, aloha. Yeah, aloha from Maui. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, I think what you're doing is an amazing thing. And uh, I look forward to, to this experience with you. Yeah. So. It's, it's really a, a strange time in the world's history. Uh, half of the population, the, the planet is locked down right now. And uh, when, I, when I met you in Maui, we had lots of conversations about meditation and uh, Kundalini and Pranayama, and you uh, taught me lots of things around that. And you shared with me a part of your history when you were uh, about 20 years old. And uh, I would like to, uh, to give you the opportunity to uh, explain this particular time of your uh, young age. It was an interesting time for my life indeed that definitely put a stamp on my identity at the moment, at that time, and definitely provide some obstacles to get through <laughs> for me, uh, for sure. So yeah, I'd be happy to share, you know, that time in my life that was integral to, you know, becoming who I am now, for sure. Okay, so before we jump into that uh, experience of yours, what's the feeling in Maui uh, as people are in quarantine? How does it work in Maui? Yeah, well, we just got to the point where we um, are like totally locked down, where we can't really go to the beach. Basically, if you have an essential job or if you're going to the grocery store or something like that, you can go to. Uh, that we're getting to the point where if you're out and about, some people are actually getting tickets and things from the police, uh, even one arrest already. So we are officially locked down. Um, and I know some people are 
a little, you know, um, separate from how they're perceiving this. Some people are saying, oh, I'm not going to stay locked down. Some people are saying that it's an integral that we stay locked down. And I would guess it's similar to, you know, any part of America right now, the human, uh, the American people are just really not quite used to these restrictions. So psychologically, um, people are sort of fractaling into different little spectrum. Some are okay with it and they're staying centered. Some people are really panicking. Um, but for now, overall, I think people are um, hoping for the best, trying to stay inside and then just, you know, prepare the best they can for, you know, food supply shortages and things of that nature. Nice. Thank you uh, for sharing it. What is particular about you and uh, is that at the particular time of your uh, young age, you had to spend, I think it's uh, four years uh, in quarantine and it was called jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For those of us who have, uh, I don't even like to say unfortunately, because when I look back at my past, uh, uh -huh. most things that uh, have happened to me have been a blessing disguise. Mm. Um, and so uh, maybe, maybe I can even say fortunately. Fortunately, I've had the experience of being quarantined for a long period of time. Um, and so psychologically <laughs> I'm prepared for this. Uh, yeah. What happened? Is it, is it okay if you, uh, if you share what happened and, uh, as far as my imprisonment? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I like to share those things. Um, well, uh, the short story is, is that I, that, uh, I decided that to support myself financially, that I would be selling narcotics. Um, the really, really short story is that, um, I was a lost puppy dog in the crazy world. My mom had abandoned me when I was 16, uh, didn't really have any place to go. A lot of things that I did have potentially working for me fell through, uh, college scholarships for sports and things like that. And I tried to, um, salvage, salvage some of that stuff. Um, but the area that I went to live to live in with was, was where my dad lived, my biological father, who I really didn't know and had his own connections to, to organize crime and things of that nature when he was younger. Um, but the area in which I was trying to reinvent myself in was ridden with prostitution and drug deals and these kind of people. But there was a small group of people who embraced me there. And that I found that they were in some way a loving nature to me. And at that time in my life, I would probably have really allowed anybody to accept me. And that was just giving me some sort of attention because I was that lost. It just happened to be that I got wrapped up into people who were not so violent necessarily, but more in the terms of criminal minded. How can we make a fast buck? And they were really good at it. I mean, a couple of the people were actually millionaires. Um, they were being successful in the sense of gaining money. So, uh, you know, and at, at, at 19, 20 years old, the, that seemed okay with me. Uh, people loving me, giving me money and doing things. And it was interesting. And so I started to get into that lifestyle. And it wasn't too long after. Um, I wouldn't say I was a professional criminal-minded person. So I made a lot of mistakes. And um, uh, because of that, I ended up... Um, going to prison. I was caught with 
uh, around $600,000 of street value product um, at 20 years old uh, was a fairly pretty big drug bust and I was the low man on the totem pole. And so, yeah, that's the short story of how I woke up one day and um, actually um, was when, when I was arraigned, which when the judge tells you how much time that you're potentially facing, there was a series of cases uh, and it all ended up to being approximately 105 years was the, if they wanted to max me out on the sentence. So I'd like to say that and tell people that's the story because that is the reality that I was in at one time was looking at a judge, him looking me in my eyes with my mom behind me and them telling you that for the crimes that you have committed, even though there was no violence, which is another story in its own, you potentially can go away for 105 years. <laughs> and so that's, that's the reality that I was in. And there took a long time for me to be, to, to de determine and to find out that I, well, I wouldn't get the 105 years or that I wouldn't get 50 or even 20 or 30. So psychologically there was a lot of waiting to, to find those things out too. Mm. But, um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. What, so, what was the most difficult things when you were in jail or in confinement or in quarantine? Well, yeah, I think it came in waves. The first thing was the big difficult thing was what ended up being my motivation. But the first difficult thing was to realize that I was in a world of trouble and that although I could see the environmental variables that helped shape me to get there that really were none of my doing, I really also understood that I made a lot of decisions upon decisions upon decisions that got me there. I put myself into that situation. Um, so that was hard um, for sure. And okay. if I understand it, it was hard to, uh, to realize that you were responsible for and you were not playing the victim at that time. Yeah. Well, the, the crazy thing about it, Orvan, is that I understood it immediately. The day that I woke up in jail and it hit me like a ton of bricks, I could feel um, it was like a download of information and understanding. It was weird. Um, I understood that I got myself into this situation and that I understood that it was more of like mathematics. Like I had did enough um, behaviors and stuff to added me up to this i could see where yeah i i earned this like i created this yeah and and that was also my motivation because that's immediately i started to realize that if i could get myself into the situation it's going to be hard but i can get myself out yeah that's interesting because for me and you you, you are giving me goosebumps right now and mm -hmm. it's humanity and especially at the this special day where as humanity is locked down we put ourselves in that situation true we are not victims and we have to take responsibilities for that yeah i totally agree with you i mean now's not the time to take a victim mentality i think there are environmental variables uh, that seemingly maybe are outside of our control that are impacting on us, but there's no time for a victim 
victim mentality and uh, and, and some level, even the environmental variables that we think that we didn't have any control over that we think that we're just getting on us. I think we are a part of that as well in some ways of how we interact day to day. And Yeah, so individually and collectively, we're mm -hmm. all responsible for what's going on right now. Totally agree. Hmm. Yeah. So what is freedom? What does, what does it mean? Yeah, well, that's, a, that's an interesting question. And I think if you asked a billion different people, you'd get a billion different answers because in the long, I mean, at the end of the day, everyone has their own reality, right? We're, we're, I don't see things the same as you do. Um, we don't see this, things the same at all. So what's freedom for one person might be freedom to another. However, I can speak to the fact that freedom is inside my own mind in the way that I'm perceiving my current moment. So uh, whether I'm on the beach, uh, um, you know, drinking coconut water, uh, whether I'm traveling the world and experiencing cultures like I like to do, or whether I'm being, um, you know, um, inside my room and uh, restricted to the abilities that I can go out, whether no matter what external influences and stimuli that I'm interacting with, um, those don't need to um, appeal upon my freedom so much. Now, as far as freedom to move around my body, yes, that's can be restricted. But for me, freedom is my peace and my state of mind. Um, and so I what? like to start. Yeah. I like to, I like to, I like to really be comfortable with myself and at peace, no matter what's happening outside me. So if I'm sitting on a couch and sitting on a chair, sitting there, I like to be able to make sure that I'm at a level of peace. I don't need my tea, although sometimes it does seem like I need my tea for that, but I don't need external variables to necessarily be free. Yeah. So it's, you've learned the hard way how to feel free wherever you are, even in prison. And it, it's, it's maybe a, 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 a hard learning right now for uh, lots of people and especially entrepreneurs who are really, they, they consider themselves free because they, they were free to decide to build a, a business. And, and right now they are mm -hmm. in the, in their home or they had to uh, to close their uh, shops so it's 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 a really hard learning right now yeah what would be your three uh, must have or must do uh, during this time to being able to elevate themselves to a state they can feel free even if they are constrained Mind, body, and spirit, really. I mean, it's, it's maybe even sounds cliche, but I really think that that's the answer for a lot of things is where's your mind at? What are you focused on? Are you in the past or are you in the future? Now, luckily, my life is doing pretty well. Um, I, some people are losing things pretty fast, and I um, sympathize for that. But um, I always try, try to take a mind, body, and spirit focus and First of it is, is what I'm focusing on. Am I caught in the past too much? Because the past doesn't quite exist. Um, it's a dimension of time, but it's already past. And so um, also looking into the future, um, not staying there too much of the what ifs and all that, staying in the moment and working with what I can. 
the body, um, maintaining a healthy diet and exercise plan. Many times we get, in, and I actually have to admit that I'm struggling with this now and um, trying my best to get through this because I've noticed a shift in my overall well-being because the coronavirus uh, quarantine has has made it really easy for me to to eat pizza and watch movies uh, <laughs> and not be active, but. I think yeah, we have to keep the, the body flexible, stretch and, and 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 eat right, and keep you know that flowing within our within ourselves. Because if our our food is medicine, so mm-hmm. if we brain functioning, and we know now with neuroscience that our uh, our brain is is more important than ever. What we're eating with it, what we're telling it, what we're programming it with is important. And then spirit, you know, whatever that means to you. You know, for me, I. Um, I believe in a higher power. I believe that the higher power exists within myself. And I like to do things such as meditation and mantra. Um, and luckily I live in a house um, where there's a lot of singing songs and stuff like that. So my spirit is high. Mm-hmm. So keeping my mind focused on what I can control now, keeping my body healthy with food as much as I can and getting in touch with my higher self through meditation, prayer and, and song. Nice, thank you. When you were in jail, did you did you already do that, or you had to put some structure in place and rituals and uh, routines to uh, to stay healthy physically and mentally? Well, I tell you, you know, jail was great for me. I took it as a time to really get my life in order. I had very, I got lucky because it was a minimal security. Pl- facility, uh, although there's a lot of characters in and out all the time and they weren't always so friendly. I mean, I did have to be in there with people who were murderers and high violent people, but in a sense, it was a minimum security. So people who got to that spot, they were wanting to keep that level of security for themselves. So everybody was trying to be in their best behavior. So I had a, that part was a little bit separate from some other people's experiences in jail. I wasn't constantly looking over my back, although that happened, but I got a lot of time to go outside. I got a lot of time to work out. I got a lot of time to read books. The local community college actually came in and gave lessons. So at any class that was available, I took the class. If they let me outside, I went running. Um, at that time I wasn't into meditation and stuff like that, but I was reading books Um, Carl's Castaneda books about spirituality and I was starting to open my eyes to that and um, actually um, maybe sounds a little deep but I was playing around in the astral realms a little bit and understanding that dreams were sort of important so but it was spiritually I was slowly waking up but really what it was was just getting my 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 mind and my body right Mm. um, with exercise and diet and keeping healthy and and staying productive with educating my own mind because I had not really done that up until that point. And then, you know, the funny thing what happened to me was, is I thought I was a stupid individual. Jail told, jail taught me that I was not stupid. Um, it was like, I didn't fit into the system of school. And, um, and, and part of that was because of the way that my family had moved around and some things that I had dealt with. But when I was in jail, I had all the time in the world to read one book at my own pace and nothing was really telling me you need to have a test on Friday. I was really just on my own pace. I started reading books, started realizing I could learn anything. So although 
spiritually, I don't think Jill propelled me forward too so much, but it did give me some time to realize that um, to, to to grow in my own self love and to realize mm -hmm. I can read books, I can learn, I can get. I I was three hundred and twenty pounds when I went into jail. I was fat and obese, and I came out of there weighing two twenty. I lost a hundred pounds. Wow. So I I took that time to get healthy. Yeah. Um, because so, you know you can't you can't get healthy with your mind sometimes if your body's like that you know it's hard. Yeah, well, yeah. You make me realize that even in in those times, particularly hard for people, they uh, they are losing business. They are uh, they have to to lay people off, and uh, they are constrained at home. And what I'm With my clients, as an executive coach, I often ask this question, what's the, the opportunity? Because people are, mm -hmm. are coming to the session and they, they feel desperate or angry or they, they uh, hopeless sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, because they are, they are uh, prisoners of the circumstances. And what I'm hearing when you are talking about your experiences, what's your opportunity right now? Yeah. What's the choice? Watching Netflix all day long, waiting for something to happen, or taking charge and changing yourself for the yep. best. Totally agree with you 100%, you know, and What I could speak to is, is that no matter what happens to you, no matter how restrained you get, no matter what you think that you lost or are now not able to gain, you still have a lot to gain. And, and whether that's in your own mind, processing thoughts, whether if it's the way you're treating and interacting with one person that's around you, there's so many opportunities to, to grow and, and no matter what you're doing. And a lot of times the people now which I totally sympathize for. There's so many different scenarios and experiences that are people are having that I don't want for myself. I know people are struggling and I'm not judging that for them. However, I do feel that a lot of the suffering comes from the fact that we have attachments to this external world. I can't get this now. I can't have that now. I lost that now because their happiness comes through those things. The happiness isn't something that's just present in themselves happiness is coming through all these external stuff. So when that gets restricted, we feel unhappy. Well, I think that if nothing else, this is a time for people to maybe start feeling and start practicing on how to be happy within themselves without the external influences. So true. So profound. Thank you. Thank you. What, what change inside of you during those four years? Well, the major thing that's changed inside of me in those four years was I realized that, that, that I wasn't stupid, <laughs> that, that I had the ability to grow, that I had mm -hmm. ability to learn and that I can do things for myself and that I can make change and that I can make change one thought at a time making the best decision that I possibly can conjure up in the present moment and chaining those together and creating reality for me. Now, later on when I kept, you know, I got in a spiritual side of things, I understood how that kind of reflected back to that moment. 
But in that moment, without reading any books, without anything, that sort of just downloaded onto me. It, it's like my life had been so restricted and such at a low point that I had no choice but to see some sort of light and understanding. But that's the biggest thing that happened to me is, is when I was, when I got locked up in there, you know, I thought I hated my life before then. It seemed on the surface I had money, friends and cars and so like You'd have thought that I was, you know, I was life of the party and things like that. You'd think that, oh, that guy's happy, but I was miserable. And um, so I learned that, um, I learned that I didn't have to be that person, that I could be something other than what I thought that the world was shaping me to be. Although not easy, especially after you've made a certain series of decisions, then you start to kind of fall into this reality. But, but I learned that, again, that, that if I can make the best decision I can in the present moment and chain those together with other um, good decisions and keep focused, which is another thing that, that is an important tool is focus and concentration. And, but we chain those positive thinkings together and then we eventually have a reality that's much better than the ones that we started off with. Yeah. Hmm. What do you use uh, as a tool to uh, to enhance your focus? I use meditation mainly. What do you yeah, use? yeah. Um, well, um, meditation has really helped me with that focus and that concentration. Um, there's things that I like to do to help me progress with meditation, and that has transferred over to what I call waking meditation, the same ways that I tackle meditation when my eyes are closed and thoughts are kind of pouring in and I need to keep this loving focused energy. I take that same art and I approach it to when my eyes are awake and those same energies are flowing through with people and things like that. So I, when I'm awake, um, I really try to pretend that I'm still meditating uh, just in a different sort of level. Um, and there's all sorts of different ways, you know, to, 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 um, to, uh, practice concentration and focus, you know, um, Buddhist traditions are great for that. Uh, the candle flame activity is really great. I progressed a lot when I just started staring at candle flames and then closing my eyes and still picturing that candle flame that helped my meditation um, mm. out tremendously. Um, um, but it gets deeper than that for sure. When we get into neuroscience and when we get into just understanding how the thoughts interfere with us and how to maneuver around those thoughts, because concentration is focus is great, but sometimes people really um, have a problem with interference thinking thoughts that really aren't theirs that come in and they become thoughts and patterns and patterns becomes behaviors and behaviors becomes um, patterns of behaviors, addictions or, or characteristics of themselves. So, um, one part of it is is understanding how to concentrate and focus a little better, maybe like you said with meditation, but another one of it is, is how you're dealing with the thoughts in your own mind. Because the mind is a garden that needs tended to appropriately, and if we don't master it, it tends to master our own self. So how are we dealing with the thoughts that we don't want, these interference energies that come into our own brain? Yeah. And meditation does seem to help with that as well too. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, it's the choice to act as a victim or as a leader and taking responsibility for our own thoughts. And another one is being honest with ourselves. You know, a lot of times we sweep things under the rugs about our own selves and it, we don't get past it. That dark side of us that we don't look at 
and it never goes away because we never dissected it and looked at it. And so it's still part of us until we kind of go, wow, this comes from this place and let's look at this and let's shift that around a bit. And so, you know, I think a lot of this all ties into sort of together in, a, in an interesting way, focus and concentration and the way that we perceive the world and the way that we um, hold with um, non-judgment to other people or non-fear to other people. It's all together in how we are dealing with our own selves and being honest with ourselves and how we are um, pretty sending ourselves in the moment and staying yeah. in the moment. Yeah. And I'm going to jump on uh, perceptions. So you, you entered jail thinking that you, you were there for 105 years. And finally, you spent four years there. Yeah. What, you, what was your perception of the world before and after? The perception of the world before, um, before I went to jail was, I don't think I even thought about it much. I think I was living in my own reality bubble of selling drugs and trying to get as many girlfriends as I could and uh, be funny and be accepted by the people that were around me. I don't really know that if I saw anything outside of that, I was literally locked into my own reality and didn't, I know that I didn't think that I fit in to anywhere outside of that. When I started to try to put my mind in other scenarios outside of which I was experiencing, I just didn't think I had it. I mean, I'm talking down to a factory job. I would try to get a factory job and my mind was so cluttered that I couldn't really process things properly. I didn't think I fit in anywhere. I mean, a gas station job, I probably have been like, I probably would suck at that. You know, I just, I don't think that I thought about the outside world so much. But then um, when I started learning skills and started getting a little confidence about myself, then I started to look at the outside world as a playground. Um, in behavior analysis, we call these, some of these behaviors, um, pivotal behaviors or, uh, or uh, behavioral cusps meaning behaviors that I can get that kind of open myself up to a whole new world. And if I can read a book, and, and so my behavior was the fact that I realized that I could read, understand something, and apply it to my environment. Well, like I said before, I didn't know I had that. It's, and, and, and that's sad. But So I guess what I'm saying is, is as I started to gain that trait about myself or that behavior about myself, then the world became a playground because I thought I can learn this and I can learn that and there's nothing I can't do. And it wasn't so easy for me even when I got out, but at least gave me the opportunity to say, I have a chance. I have a chance to break free from this life of what I thought I was trapped into. Yeah. With new keys to open yeah. doors to new uh, possibilities. Exactly. Uh -huh. Actually people right now and uh, entrepreneurs are stuck uh, with uh, with their families, uh, and it's they're they're not used to uh, to be like twenty four hour a day with their family, with their relatives, and I have customers uh, who who are yeah really on a on a moving ground right now because it's 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 a new way. What what did you learn about relationship during this well, time of constraint? 
Well, I learned how to be a little chameleon and I was good at it, thankfully. Uh, and that's how to, without, you know, and I think maybe sometimes this is done almost in a fake manner sometimes. And I don't, I don't, I don't really appreciate that, but there's a way to sort of adapt to the people that you're talking to and find out commonalities to relate to. And if you can relate to somebody and feel like that you have something in common with, well, that's a starting point. So no matter, you know, we, I try to teach that when I teach like what's called a whole ponopono thing where forgiveness and love. And I teach this to the kids that I deal with um, at schools and stuff. It's, it's really, I think an important thing is to realize that no matter who you're talking to, you have something in common with. And if you could focus on the things that you have in common with energetically, that's a starting off as a good exchange because you don't feel, feel separation. You don't get hung up on the things that are separate. And so then you feel this connection. And then if you can have a dialogue based on that, then I think that's a good starting point um, for relationship. Um, so uh, that's my yeah. approach because there's so many, it's so easy, even the people that we love to, when they're in close proximity to us to, to be what I would call satiated by their presence. Yeah. And so important to, important to realize that uh, we are all connected. We all mm -hmm. come from the same source of energy. There's no difference. Usually the negativity that we see in other people, we have been able to present that same sort of behaviors in some sort of way. We could, we, we, we've done those things. So it's, somebody does this and we go, oh, that's you know, so horrible of that person to do it. Wait a minute, I've probably done that before. So not to feel so separated and go, hey, this person likes football. I like football. This per person, you know, um, you know, sometimes it's so interesting to me how even the people that I look at on a surface and go, I really don't want to hang out with that person. But then I look at them in a more unique way. And I'm like, they sometimes have something about them that's beautiful that I wish I had. Mm. Now, I've got this one friend, uh, just for example, is I have to hang out with her in small doses because uh, the way that she acts and stuff like that, sometimes she can be a little easy and expect too much. is not appreciative. But one thing that she has is, is she really loves people to succeed. She has a natural ability to just really root for people. She's not jealous of anybody ever and she wants people to succeed. Well, I pick up on that and say, well, I could be better at that. Even though a lot of the majority of the way you're acting, I tend to put me off. There's still something that I can see in you that I don't have that I wish I did. So I, again, the conscious shift within our own selves to look at people in a unique way, even when it's easy to see separation, we can see connectivity. Yeah. Hmm. So another opportunity to enhance our relationship with others. Yeah. And with ourselves first or with others too. And uh, yeah, I, I, I share with my customers uh, nonviolent communication skills and uh, mindful communication too. Uh, which could be very, very useful. Mm -hmm. uh, talking about relationship. So you, you, you went to jail with a new family, new friends. You were hanging out with uh, this world and this new family. After the four years, was it the same? Did you find back this family or? Um, what do you mean? Do you mean um, like, for example? So you shared with, with us that at, at 16, your mom kicked you out. Oh, yes. 
suddenly you were being accepted by <laughs> other people and that's how things started for you and then you went to jail yeah during four years you were in and when you get out yeah what happened with those people yeah i have to be honest well so when i got out i went back to my mom and my dad's house um, of course i didn't have a place to go so you have to somebody has to say yeah we accept you in their house so my mom and dad was the only people to really do that so i um and they live in separate houses but um so i did embed myself back into into that atmosphere and i was accepted by them and they did support me as much as they can i had a lot of support from specifically my father um but i still was young i was 26 then and i still didn't um know how to build a lot of that relationship for a lot of reasons a my dad wasn't my biological father he was more of a father figure which always was a unique relationship my mom had abandoned me so there was a lot of scars that i still continue to go through i think i'm 40 now and we're just getting to the point where i can have a conversation with her about do you know how you made me feel when i was 16 so uh although i did get immersed back into that um family dynamic it's taking another 14 years to get to a point of being able to even work through some of those things. So yeah, unfortunately for me, it wasn't a, uh, get out and everything is going to be great. There's, it was another whole process of, of relationship building that continues to grow today. Um, you know, after the, after the imprisonment, um, so it's been a long process of relationship building. Relationship building is something that um, has not always been my strong point um, and that I continue to grow upon. Uh, just basically, I think because of, of, of the way my life happened and all the trauma and stuff, like I can do, I, I was always really good at like making friends quickly, but keeping friends and learning how to be a friend or being a brother or being a, a good boyfriend I, I didn't really know, no one ever taught me how to do that. And actually everybody that I was with taught me how to be poor at that. So I picked up a lot of um, traits um, that were not good. And so I think in my thirties and now up until 40, I'm still unraveling and getting rid of and shedding the things that I don't want and learning how to, um, to grow in that way more. And so, yeah, that's something that I'm still continuing to grow on. I think the last few years have really been more of a point in my life to grow upon those things other than when I first got out of prison. I was still pretty lost uh, in that sense when I got out. <laughs> Thank you for because when you're in because yeah. when you're when you're when you're in jail, you don't pick up on relationship skills. You may you you know how to talk to the homies, you know you you learn how to kind of survive and, and jive with them a little bit as far as like real relationship skills that you need for like real relationships uh not so much <laughs> yeah. thank you i just want to uh underline your courage your uh vulnerability your leadership and your your will to change to elevate yourself and to take what people could see as a failure or a drama to take that and to transform it into an opportunity 
to be better, a better human being, to be uh, more joyful, enlightened. Yeah, and that's the take home is no matter what happens, I can assure you that no matter what happens to yourself, what you think that you lost, what you think that you don't have, how horrible life gets, and I haven't experienced everything that everybody has, but this is just a brief little overview of things that I've experienced. I assure you I've experienced more traumas than just this, as we all have, but everything is an opportunity. And it's, that doesn't mean we sweep things under the rug. That means we dissect them. We look into the shadows and out of the shadows comes our own light. And that goes back to Eastern philosophical understandings. That goes back to anybody who's been a successful leader and that nobody just snapped their, their fingers and was a, a, a great leader or a CEO. They probably, the people who have the most success have the most failure and they grew from that. So perseverance breeds character. Mm -hmm. And the person who gets up every day and keeps going forward um, you know, and keeps pushing through. Um, well, I think, I think they, you know, they have a better chance at coming out on the shinier end of things. <laughs> Thank you. So from your point of view, what's the opportunity right now for entrepreneurs? For entrepreneurs. Yeah. Well, look at, look at what's around you and, and, and get into the creative think tanks. Now's the time to, to um, you know, reassess who you are, what your identity is, and come up with new things because out of problems come solutions. So there's a lot of problems going on right, right now. Um, so how do you find solutions? I would encourage to get into think tanks with people and to network with other people and come up with new ideas. Um, you know, um, I you know, being stagnant in a sense will kill us. So we have to flow. And um, right now they're trying to stop the flow and we have to kind of push through and, and, and come up with new ideas, you know? And I just think to not sit around and say, oh my, this is happening to me, but to think of how can I adapt and overcome um, is now's the time. Now's the time to shine sort of. Now's the time when you're in the corner getting ready to get knocked out and it's time to, you know, start swinging for the fences a little bit. and. You know, I don't know everybody's situation, okay? And I understand that there's situations that people are in that are hopeless and that sometimes people are probably going to lose their businesses in this one. But um, um, that's, that's all. That's the case another, for most entrepreneurs. People are going to lose their business. And, and, and so, and, and for, you know, for, for that, I think it's okay to understand that, hey, this sucks. And, um, you know, I've lost businesses before. And... Um, and I think it's okay to understand that this sucks and that this isn't good, but to also wake up and go, how do I get myself out of it? What decisions can I make right now that gets me in the, in, in the process of moving past this into something else? Because that's the only way you can't, if you sit there and start just staying in one moment and being stagnant in the fact that this sucks, then every day that that happens is an, another day that you wasted on learning to put yourself out of it. Yeah. So Remember that you're strong. Remember that you um, have the ability to create change and grow and adapt and overcome and that you're powerful and that don't be a victim of your environment. You know, just use what you think is um, your environment getting at you and use that for the tools to come about because some of the most beautiful things that ever happened in life and success stories of other people, I mean, they were down and out. They lost everything 
they, they were hopeless, they had nothing, and they kept pushing forward. And I do believe that those who are perseverant, or the, the persevere and stay strong enough, those are the ones that are, are successful. The ones who give up, the ones who feel a victim, the ones who um, environment seems to shape them instead of them shaping their own environment, those are the ones that tend to stay in misery a little bit longer. Mm. So now's the time to shine for everyone. And I think that now's the time to network with other people and help each other build up at the same time, because especially in today's world, it's hard to do it by yourself. We need other people to, to think with and to, and to move around and maneuver with and to grow yeah. with. Go create, collaborate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. If, if it would be your last chance to share a message, what would it be? Wow, it will sound so cheesy. Uh, but my last message is that love is the answer because it really is that heart centered love. Um, and everybody can feel that what that is. Fear is sort of the absence of God or absence of love. And we make decisions based on that. But when we stay in a heart centered of that loving intention, and that doesn't mean like the love and light, shy, everything's perfect. But that means that I'm making decisions based on, you know, my higher self and feeling connected to other people. And I'm making decisions based on that. I think that's what the love lacks. And I think that's really why we're in the situation that we're in is because people are making fearful decisions and greedy decisions uh, on multiple levels. And we have to look individually every day and figuring out why am I doing things? Like, what, what, why did I get up to every day? Why did I put my right foot on my floor today to get up? What was my intention? When I, you know, I live with other people, why, why am I doing things? How am I interacting with them? What's my intention towards them? How am I perceiving them? So to, I, I think my answer, my, my thing is to world is uh, view the world in non-duality view the world and if there's no separation and harness as much as love as you can and harness that love um, into the idea that you're not separate from anything. And that's hard to do, but I, I do feel like the world would become a better place if we just approach every moment that we have um, with a loving centeredness. Mm. As cheesy as it sounds, the, no, Beatles were, the, Beatles, the Beatles were right. You know, love is, love is yeah. the way, right? <laughs> Einstein too and Buddha and Jesus too. Yeah, love is in there. Love is is the answer. And so entrepreneurs, wherever you are, whether you feel bad and hopeless, love is the answer. So thank you. That's, what, that's yeah. where I'm at. That's where yeah. I'm at with that. Edward, uh how how uh, can people uh, connect with you? Well, right now, um, I don't have a website or anything like that as far as any of the services that I do. Um, I'm a board certified behavioral analyst for the state of Hawaii. So uh, if you were to find me, you could email me at spacecadet1000. That's space cadet with a K. So S-P-A-C-E-K-A-D-E-T 1000 at Gmail. And feel free to reach out. I'm um, in the process of my life where I'm trying to find more people to network and create projects of all sorts of things. Um, I'm starting my own life coaching and mindfulness business, I, but I want to do all sorts of creative things. So anybody that has any ideas on how to do something to change the world for a better way, 
anything that's you know just fun to do um, any sort of projects you can just email me there um, soon I'll have a, a website for my life coaching and mindfulness services but for now um, just continuing to be a behavior analyst for the state of Hawaii <laughs> thank so, you thank yeah. you so much Edward Eddie. Uh, thank you and uh, it was a pleasure privilege uh, I'm honored to be here to be uh, to be here with you and uh, entrepreneurs from all around the world keep faith uh, we we saw with uh, Edward that nothing is permanent so the crisis is gonna go away like a cloud and uh, it's an opportunity for you to answer with love and to answer with uh, yeah mindfulness and uh, hope and beautiful inside thing so uh, thank you Eddie. thank you Aloha. everybody mahalo nui mahalo nui. talk to you soon bye bye